My name is Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor here at Woodland Hills Church, and it's so good to see all of you. You look marvelous here this morning. Hope you have recovered from that uh, thing last Sunday. The most frustrating game I've ever seen in my life, but let's not bring that up right now, because this is church. Hey, well, we took up, two weeks ago, took up an offering uh, for, the, uh, for relief in Haiti. We've got two ministries here uh, that have been rooted in Haiti uh, for, for years, COFED, and, and Providence Ministry, and as I reported last week, we raised twenty-five over $25,000, and I'm just so delighted about that. Uh, we now have, amen, we now have three folks from Woodland Hills Church on the field there. Uh, Jen Helverson is a doctor uh, that went down, and she's working in Port-au-Prince. Greg Erickson is now in Port-au-Prince uh, for some period of time, uh, helping out in the hospital and some other things. And then Nick, who heads up CoFed, uh, has just gone down there and they're really assessing what are the needs that we you know, can best uh, use this money towards. Um, I want to encourage you to get on the website. If you go to our church website, there's a section there on Haiti, and you'll find links to CoFed and the Providence Ministry. And they're, they're, they're giving blogs, daily blogs and updates and reports about the ministry that they're doing, uh, partly through Woodland Hills. We partner with other ministries as well, but it just edifies the soul uh, to, to see and hear some of this. Here's a one-minute example of what I'm talking about. This is on Providence Ministry blog. And the lady here is Jen Halverson. That's Jen Halverson right there from our church. We got a compound fracture there. I got it all cleaned up. In some places in Asia, you know, so far the fingers have been long enough Hey, Dr. Jen, can you work and talk at the same time? You want me to turn this off? Tell us what we're doing. This is a little six-month-old baby with an earthquake injury. It's a real bad arm laceration that hasn't been attended to at all. But the baby's still moving the arm very well. Probably will lose some movement in the fingers, but it should be overall do well. We breathe it out. We're going to cut the edges down, make new edges, and then um, sew it up with a drain in place. Keep the kid here for a few days on IV antibiotics, and then uh, she'll be able to go home on oral antibiotics, and she'll be okay. Nice job, people. All right. That's, now, that child obviously had pain blockers, um, and that's a new thing there. Uh, they didn't, for the first uh, week or so, have any pain meds. And that baby has had that gash down to the bone uh, for two weeks, and only now is getting it treated. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, that, uh, that, that's going on down there, but we just thank God that we have the opportunity to be partnering with these folks uh, to do what good we can do and uh, to just show a little bit of God's love. So I encourage you to get on those websites and just on a regular basis read some of the stories that are going on there because uh, we all together had something to do with that. All right, now we get into the Word. Am I forgetting anything? Last service I forgot some things. I, am I, forget, I, I think I got everything covered, I think. Well, halfway through the sermon I'll probably think of something else. But um, We're in the book of Luke and we're up to chapter 22. I'm going to do something that's slightly heretical for us. Uh, we've never done this before, but I'm going to skip some verses. <laughs> I, 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 don't worry, you won't get shortchanged. You'll get your money's worth, but, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll go back there next week. But I, 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 here's the thing. We're going to be taking communion here in a little bit, and the passage for next week is about communion. And it just seems silly to talk about communion next week when we're doing it this week. So I'm skipping seven verses, and we'll come back to it next week. But right now we're going to skip up to verse 7. Of Luke 22. And this is entitled Communion in the Wilderness. Communion in the Wilderness. Here's what it says. 
Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. And Jesus replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, Make preparations there. Scholars disagree uh, some on whether there's some supernatural word of knowledge stuff going on here or whether Jesus had just prearranged all of this, but let's not get bogged down with that. Moving on, he says, They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Pray with me here for a moment. Uh, Abba, Father, for every person in this auditorium and every person who might be listening through podcasts or some other means, uh, we just pray that you would be opening our minds and our hearts to receive your word and that you'd infuse this word with your authority to build the kingdom in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, use this message to set your people free and to uh, empower us to be the kingdom people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Most of you, I'm sure, know the story of the Exodus. Uh, Children of Israel had been in uh, in bondage for 400 years. God sent Moses to get them out, uh, sent some plagues to try to get Pharaoh to let them out. Finally, the Lord, uh, the night before uh, they were to leave Egypt, um, the Lord had the, the children of Israel slaughter a lamb, an unblemished lamb, and put the blood of that lamb on the doorposts. And it tells us in Exodus 12 that uh, when the Lord would see the blood on the doorpost, he would prevent the destroyer from taking the firstborn in that house. But if there wasn't blood on the doorpost, the destroyer would take the uh, firstborn. And it was that that finally got Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go and go out into the, the, the desert. The Lord gave them as a sign of the covenant a meal that they were to celebrate once a year, and this is the Passover. And they would take a lamb and slaughter that lamb and then eat that lamb and tell the story of how the Lord delivered them out of Egypt. It's called the Passover because the judgment passed over them because the blood was on the doorposts. Jesus is here going to celebrate this Passover meal with his disciples, but he gives it a very new meaning. He presents himself as the lamb that will be slain. The lamb, the blood of which will protect them from the destroyer, and uh, he is the one who will bring them out of Egypt. But Egypt now isn't, of course, a physical place. Egypt is our bondage to sin and our bondage to Satan. And so Jesus here gives a new sign of a new covenant. 
And he says, whenever you take this cup and take this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And we'll be uh, doing that a little bit later in this service. Now, I want us to notice something here. There's a dual focus to the way the Lord gives us the sight of the covenant in communion. There's a dual focus. On the one hand, we, we're, we're to look back and remember what Jesus did for us and remember that he, he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed and it's through his blood that the judgment passes over us and he brought us out of Egypt. We look back. But there's also a sense in which we look forward. Twice Jesus here says, I won't eat of this bread and drink this cup again until the kingdom comes in its fullness. And so this sign of the covenant reminds us of where we've come from and reminds us where we're going. But we're not yet there. there. It really anticipates the marriage supper of the Lamb that the Bible talks about. When, when, when the kingdom comes, we'll sit down with supper with Him. And, and this is sort of a symbolic anticipation of that. But what it means is that Jesus here situates the church and this entire church age between the time when we come out of Egypt and before the time when we enter the promised land. In other words, we are in the wilderness. We are in the wilderness. And this communion is something that we do to remind us of that fact. We look back and we look forward, but we do it as we're here out of Egypt, but not yet in the promised land. And the thing about the wilderness is that it's not always a pleasant place to be, is it? Children of Israel, when they got out of Egypt, they celebrated that. They had a lot to give thanks for, and they saw God do some miracles, and they looked forward to entering the promised land. And so, yeah, there was joy there in the desert, but on the other hand, there was a lot of misery in that desert. There was a lot of defeats in that desert, a lot of, a lot of failures in that desert, a lot of trials and tribulations in that desert, to the point where sometimes they wanted to go back to Egypt. Being in the wilderness, even when God is present there as he was for the Israelites, can be a miserable experience. And we are in the wilderness. We're not yet in the promised land. And so we look back and celebrate the fact that Jesus has brought us out of Egypt, and that is true. And we look forward to the time when we'll enter the promised land, and that encourages our heart. But we can't forget the fact that we're still in the wilderness. So we celebrate the fact that we've been delivered from the Egypt of condemnation and judgment. And, and, and when we enter the promised land, we know that we'll never again experience any guilt and, and condemnation. But we're not in the promised land yet. We are in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, some of us have trouble feeling free from condemnation, have trouble believing that we're really for, forgiven. And we look back and celebrate that, that we've been brought out of the Egypt of our old nature, our sinful nature. And when we enter the promised land, we will not struggle with sin once again. But folks, we are not in the promised land yet. And so, yes, let's be honest about this. We still struggle with sin. I don't, but most of you do. That's what I'm talking about. And we look back at Egypt and we celebrate the fact that, that we've been delivered from the Egypt of, of, of our alienation from God. And when we enter the promised land, we're going to be perfectly united with God 24-7. He'll just be, His presence will in, 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 engulf us. But we're not in the promised land yet. We're in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, though we know he's present, it often doesn't seem like he's present. Sometimes he seems like he's vacated the premises. We feel abandoned. And, when, and we look back and celebrate the fact that Jesus brought us out of the Egypt of alienation with one another. 
And when we get to the promised land, all the stupid demonic walls that separate us along nation and, and race and gender and social class, they'll all be done away with. But we're not in the promised land yet. We're in the wilderness, and clearly in the wilderness, humanity has not outgrown this. We still struggle with these sorts of divisions and these judgments. Like Jesus even brought us out of the Egypt. The Bible tells us out of the Egypt of sickness and, and all forms of oppression and even death. And when we enter the promised land, there'll be no more cancer, there'll be no more aging, there'll be no more death. But clearly, we're not in the promised land yet. Because last I checked, we still die, we still age, and we get afflicted with physical uh, diseases and sicknesses and things of this sort. We're in the wilderness, and the wilderness is not a pleasant place to be all the time. Now, we're called to manifest as much of the promised land now as we can. To put on display the beauty of the coming kingdom. That's why we're called ambassadors uh, of, of heaven. And we want to manifest the character of God and, and the joy and the peace and the victory, all the stuff that he gives us. We manifest that now. But we have to be realistic and understand that in the wilderness, even the best, highest experiences will be fragmentary. It, it's always partial. It's always fragmentary. Fragmentary. Even those who experience healing, and that's great, to put on display the healing power of the coming kingdom, those folks still age and they still die because we're still in the wilderness. And that's an awkward place to be. We have to hold this in balance, and it's not easy to really celebrate the reality of coming out of Egypt while, while still being realistic with the fact that we're in the wilderness. If we too much emphasize the victory aspect of things, and you can then what you get are what we might call promised land Christians. And these are folks who, sincere as they are, they act as though and think as though they're already in the promised land. And, and they won't acknowledge any of the reality of the wilderness. These are the folks who believe that if you just have enough faith, you'll never get sick. If you just have enough faith, you'll always be rich. If you just have enough faith, everything's going to go fine. Which would be true in the promised land, but we're not in the promised land. And if you go through some kind of horrific wilderness experience around these folks, you can easily feel indicted because they'll protect their theology by saying that it's somehow your fault because you don't have enough faith. Yes, we need to celebrate the victory, but we have to remember that we're in the wilderness. On the other hand, there are folks who don't celebrate the victory of coming out of Egypt enough. We might call these folks wilderness Christians. Uh, because... You know, they let the fallenness of the world define everything and see if we don't keep in front of us the victory of having coming out, out of Egypt, well, then, then we don't manifest the kingdom at all. And all the blessings and the benefit of, of belonging to the kingdom aren't there. We need to hold these things in balance, and it's not always easy. So, for example, it's true. It's absolutely true. We need to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? And that he's given us a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? He's given us a peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's all true. We've come out of the Egypt of anxiety and the Egypt of despair and the Egypt of depression and the Egypt of hopelessness. And when we get to heaven, when the promised land comes, there'll be nothing but joy and nothing but peace. But we're not in the promised land yet. We're in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, sometimes life sucks, to use a technical theological term. I mean, even in the best of times, is this not true? Even in the best experiences, when you have that joy and you have that peace, there's still a longing. There's still an emptiness. We're aware that we're, we're not there yet. It's good. We enjoy it. We appreciate it. And we need to manifest it as much as possible. 
But there's a sense of incompleteness even in the best of experiences, and usually we're not in the best of experiences. Ordinary life in the wilderness, or the trials in the wilderness especially, can be absolutely miserable. Now, the, the p- promised land, Christians won't acknowledge that, and they're happy, happy, happy all the time, 24-7, smile on their face. But I don't know how you can be in this wilderness and see some of the stuff that goes on in Haiti, let alone what's just going on down the street, and have a smile on your face 24-7. This world can be crusty, it can be nasty, it can be depressing. That's life in the wilderness, and we need to stay aware of that. What happens is if you hold the ideal, you think there's a, this, this supposed to or ought, that Christians should always be joyful and always be peaceful 24-7, if that's what you believe, then you'll be indicted by the fact that you're not like that, or you'll just pretend. And God never asks us to pretend. You'll be wondering, what's wrong with me? We want to manifest as much of the kingdom as we can, in joy and peace, but we have to be real with the reality that we're in the wilderness. And sometimes you have to accept the reality of the wilderness, even though, as I said, it sucks. Maybe, maybe it's time to stop beating yourself up over the fact that you're not happy 24-7. Maybe it's time for you to accept that among the fallen problems in this world, your brain chemistry isn't work, working right. Maybe you have to accept the fact, quit beating yourself up over the fact, that maybe you will be on a psychiatric medication the rest of your life. That's life in the wilderness. And maybe you just got to come to terms with that. Maybe you'll be struggling with depression all of your life. I don't want to rob anyone of hope here or whatever, but sometimes there's a time to press in and for change, but there's a time to sometimes just accept the way things are. In fact, what happens is often we make ourselves more miserable because we're trying so hard not to be miserable. And if you just accept the fact that life sometimes can be miserable and can be depressing, there's sort of a peace that comes with that. Like there's been a lot of studies that have been done, especially with people who have like obsessive compulsive disorders where you have like these, these thoughts they can't get rid of. And they try so hard not to think the thoughts, but that just increases their, their obsession with them. But they found that if you can just step back and observe your compulsive brain and almost be amused by it and accept it for what it is. My, my brain's damaged. All of our brains are damaged, by the way, in some form or other. Some more than others. But mine more than most. But... If you can, you wouldn't believe the stuff I forget. It's just phenomenal. I've, I've, I've come to peace with this. But if you can step and just kind of look at your brain and say, gosh, that, isn't that funny how my brain works? It's obsesses, obsesses. That actually calms the brain down. Sometimes you have to accept the reality of where you are at. In the middle of the wilderness, you look back and celebrate coming out of Egypt. In the middle of the wilderness, you look forward and you realize that you won't always be like this. But sometimes in the middle of the wilderness, you've got to say, this is the wilderness and this is just the way it is. And let God's grace be sufficient for you and let his love surround you. Warts and all, there you are. And this applies to every area of our life. There's a time to press in for change. And, and God will lead us on that. But there's also sometimes a, 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 a sense where God tells you, you know, just rest with this one. It's not perfect. Maybe it's far from perfect, but I love you anyways as it is and be okay with that. It applies to every area of our life. Even ethical areas. For example... And by the way, when I tell a story about somebody who didn't give me permission to use this story, I alter all the details so you have no clue what I'm talking about. So I'll tell you a story about a lady, but it might have been a man. And I'll tell you the story about how I met her three years ago, but it might have been yesterday. And uh, I'll tell you a story about how it happened when I was speaking at a rehab uh, clinic, but it might have been someplace else. What is absolutely true is that she was coming off of a drug and alcohol addiction. And I spoke to this group, and then she asked me a question. And her question was just this. She goes... Why is it? I've been a Christian for 15 years now, and uh, I can't quit smoking. 
I've been smoking for 26 years. It is my best friend. I, I, not only can't I quit, but I don't want to quit. I'd rather lose a limb than stop my smoking. I, I just need this. And my Christian friends all tell me that I shouldn't do this. It's not good for me. Uh, you know, I'm not honoring the temple of God. It's a bad habit. I should be in freedom. I know that. And I've prayed prayers, Lord, take this from me. But, but between you and me, I'll tell you, she said, I really don't want this to go because I need this. And she goes, what's wrong with me? I thought we we're supposed to be, you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we got victory, victory, victory. And, and, and we're more than conquerors. And they tell me all of that. What is wrong with me? And every puff she takes on the cigarette reminds her that she does not measure up. And so she's one of these on-the-fence Christians that are, you know, sort of second class and don't really get in the game. My, my, my response to her was this. You know, it's true that this is bad for your health and you would, you would feel better and you'd live longer and maybe smell better if you didn't smoke so much. <laughs> true, true, but here's the thing. A, first of all, be honest with God. If you don't want to quit, don't tell him that you want him to quit. Be honest. Tell him you don't want to quit. He knows it anyways. It's not like you're hiding it from him. So just say, Lord, I love you. You love me. I know that, but I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit. Okay, be honest. But also pray, Lord... You know, if it's your will and it's, this is the time for it, take away my want. Change my wants. Be honest with your wants, but then ask him to change the wants. Now, part of you probably won't want him to change the wants because you want it. And you can't even imagine life without wanting it. But just take it on faith that if you didn't want it, you wouldn't want it. So it would be a done issue. Did you follow all that? I hope. In a fallen world, there are some preachers who are hyper and have ADD. You've learned that already. All right. So I said, you know, ask God to change the wants. Um... But then in the meantime, and this is the most important thing, in the meantime, get on with life. It won't do you a bit of good to be living under a ton of oughts and shoulds and gotta do some better do's and what's wrong with me's. Uh, It doesn't do you a bit of good. Get on with life. Get passionately involved in the kingdom. Do service. Love others. And and be open for God changing, but don't put your life on hiatus until you get perfect enough to get in the game. No, get in the game. In fact, getting in the game, as you are, warts and all, is what helps you grow and move towards the promised land. And the point where you just got to say, okay, this is where I am right now. This is the wilderness me. Now, maybe it'll be different next year or five years from now, and it will certainly be different when I enter the promised land, but I'm not going to spend my life being miserable over the fact that I'm not there yet. There's a point where you just got to accept things. It applies to every area of our life. Physically, it's true that we've been delivered from the Egypt of sin, sickness, disease, and death. And when we get to the promised land, there won't be any more sickness, disease, or death. But we're in the wilderness. And we, we try to manifest it as much as possible, pray that God will put on display His healing power. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And so we live in this in-between stage. Uh, Scott, uh, can you come on here? I, I, a friend of mine, dear friend, those of you who have been around here for any length of time know Scott. He's led worship here a couple times. I don't know anybody in my life who lives in this tension between the victory and the promised land, this wilderness place, uh, like Scott. And uh, having talked with him a number of times, I, I, I thought he'd have something to share with us about this. So, Scott, I really appreciate your willingness to come and, and uh, share part of your story with us. And how you, how you deal with this weird, in-between, wilderness stage of life. So why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about your story. Yeah, I just, I, first of all, I want to say I, I love what you're saying today. Uh, I've spent 25 years in uh, the ministry of my life trying to uh, express to people that it's okay to be in that in-between stage, in the right. wilderness. I have muscular dystrophy. Uh, it's, it's something I was born with. And uh, 
it remained undiagnosed in my life till I was about 14. Mm -hmm. I had uh, different symptoms, different operations for different symptoms prior to that, uh, but didn't have an answer for what I was going through till I was 14. Um, uh, the, some of the symptoms early on, I, I, I walked with a, a limp, a, a bit of a gait. I, I wasn't as strong as other kids. I couldn't run as fast. Um, got into high school, and things changed more. I, the body weakened. Um, getting out of chairs, uh, uh, climbing stairs, that kind mm -hmm. of thing changed. Um, got into college and uh, changed even more. And it just kept on getting worse. Just kept getting worse. Deteriorated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, started using a cane. Started uh, eventually using a, a scooter, three-wheeled scooter, yeah. and uh, got to the point where I couldn't walk anymore at all, and started using a wheelchair. So it's and what about the use of your arms? Uh, what was the process there like? Uh, the type of dystrophy that I have, muscular dystrophy, it's called limb girdle, and so it uh, it affects my major muscle groups, my arms and legs and my girdle, girdle? whatever my yeah, girdle whatever is. That is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, I, growing up, I was a musician, uh, uh -huh. spent a career as a musician, um, and was defined by my musical abilities. Um, I was a singer, um, songwriter, and uh, keyboard player, piano, mm -hmm. uh, guitar player. Just basically did it all. It's uh -huh. what I was, and uh, have lost many of those things over the years. Um, I don't play guitar anymore. I uh, was I was a guitar player. I loved it. And was there a time where you just had to say, "I have to give this up"? I mean, you would try and try and finally yeah. have to just surrender it. Exactly. What, what uh, was that like? I mean, can you listen on yeah. that experience? Very painful. Uh, very difficult um, to to realize physically that I was having to give up something uh, that I loved so dearly uh, and just playing less and less each week yeah. and then eventually not playing anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like, you know, we, we all have to do that to some degree. Life's a process of letting go as you get older and, and you got to realize, well, you know what, I'm not going to run marathons anymore. I'm not going to. But with you, you it's like it, it's, in, it's in fast forward. It, it ha happens suddenly. And, and that would, I think, intensify significantly the kind of pain that accompanies that. Well, how did you respond and how did other Christians respond early on as, you know, you were diagnosed with having this disease? When I was finally diagnosed at 14, um, uh, my, my parents were ministers. Uh, and our ministers and missionaries and uh, their peer group, the, the people that I knew, uh, friends, family, there was this groundswell of let's get Scott healed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's pray. Let's have faith. Let's uh, get him down to the altar. Let's step out in faith. Let's, you know, every uh, miracle method we can come up with, let's, oh, let's really? get Scott healed. Did you have to deal with what I've been calling promised land Christians who were telling you that, you know, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't have this or uh, what very much experiences so. you went through there. That's very uh, difficult thing for a 14 year old to kind to of rectify yeah. that. Uh, uh, some people are telling me that I, you know, didn't have enough faith or I wasn't, uh, didn't believe enough or I wasn't standing on 
these certain scriptures enough, and mm. by his stripes we are healed, and what do I do with that? I, and, what did that, like, what, what did that do to your head? I mean, to think, okay, it's bad enough that I'm losing the use of my limbs, and now it's my fault. I mean, mm-hmm. was, there any, was, there, was there ever a point where you really believed that? Or, or You must have some struggles, like, you know, why, why aren't I getting healed? Definitely. Uh, you struggle with that. I, uh, I came from a family that didn't put that kind of pressure on me. Oh, at, that's so good. Yeah, I didn't. I never felt that it was Praise my God. fault. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was able to mentally handle that when, uh-huh. when those situations arose outside of... of Did you ever like just get to the point where you're like tired of praying for healing? Like, I'm, I mean, you get exhausted, yeah. don't you? How many Definitely. times can you keep on having hope and being disappointed? Exactly. Uh, I, I, to be real honest, I don't uh, pray for my healing uh, directly right now, uh, unless the Lord stirs my heart okay. and tells me to. As you said, there are times we press in. Um, uh, I, just as a little example, I, last week uh, threw my back out really quite terribly, mm. and it was very, very painful, uh, extremely painful, and. I really felt the Lord asking me to pray and I'm having okay. friends pray. And, and I do felt that a miracle took place, that it, uh, I got no pain now from it. And I felt like the Lord intervened. Right. But uh, that was a unique situation. And, and, so um, do you feel, feel like there's now a sort of a sense, kind of what, Paul, what God told Paul uh, when he, you know, Paul was praying for the thorn in the flesh to be taken away. And the Lord said, and he went three times praying and the Lord finally says, you know what? I'm going to use you in that situation. And so, you know, you can quit praying about that. Have you had times where you just felt like that, that kind of permission to let go of this one? I, I do. I live right. in, that, in that knowledge that his grace is sufficient. And I've had to kind of just accept life for what it is. And so do you ever have, have then Christians who maybe are put off by that? Like, you know, you're supposed to be praying to get healed. And right. People don't necessarily understand uh, the shoes that I walk in, yeah. so to speak, or the wheels yeah. that I run in. Yeah, um, sure. Definitely. Yeah, because uh, you know, there's a, the kind of paradigm out there that you know you're supposed to be getting a victory over this. And and uh, have you ever had people like try to pray for you and you felt you didn't want them to? Yeah, actually, a situation happened last summer. Uh, I was at um, the Sunshine Music Fest down in wherever it's at, and uh, a very a group of about seven, eight, very well-meaning twenty-somethings uh, came up to my wife and I as we were uh, just standing around, and uh, very shortly introduced themselves and proceeded. We want to pray for you because we believe in healing and we believe that the Lord is, you know, can can heal. And I said, uh, well, let's 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 hold on here for just a moment. Um, uh, first of all, my name's Scott, um, and. Uh, uh, introduced myself yeah. Yeah. and I and uh, just basically said that's I, I thank you for your faith I thank you for what you're trying to do uh, God doesn't have me there right now um, uh, he has me uh, in this spot where I'm at right now uh-huh. and um, thank you mm-hmm. for you know what you're trying sure. to do but uh, it might be a bit misdirected right now and, all right yeah a teaching moment for them yeah we always okay. assume that we know what people need sometimes it's just good to ask Exactly. What their name is, and then is there anything we can do for exactly. you? Exactly. Um, then is there, um, like, how is God using you now? If this is a spot you're in the wilderness and you're at peace with it, 
how does God use you now? Yeah, I came to the point in my life where I had to decide, uh, do I serve Jesus because he is going to heal me? Mm-hmm. Or do I serve Jesus because he's Jesus? Amen. Um, and uh, would I be okay with loving him for uh, saving me and giving me life and giving me uh, something to live for, someone okay. to live for? And I came to that point where I said yes. Uh, his that grace is his sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Yeah. And so I, I speak, I sing, I travel to organizations or whatever and, and try to express that there is hope, there is joy, there is peace in the wilderness, mm-hmm. that uh, someday it will all change. Mm-hmm. But for right now, there is, there is hope, there is joy right now. What I know about you, though, is, is that you would never say it's all joy or all peace. I mean, you've been very real with us. Yeah, it's... Uh, there are days where it's pretty dark. Yeah, well... Sometimes the wilderness... I mean, one aspect of the wilderness is sometimes you don't know where the heck you're going. Yeah. I, you know, you can't see. There's this cloud that's leading you. There's this light that's leading you. Fire, but, but uh, is the promised land this way, that way, you know? And it's, it can be a pretty confusing, painful thing. Any uh, final advice you'd give us as we're journeying in the wilderness? Some of us have yeah. physical issues like you. We all have spiritual sin struggles, and uh, others have relationship issues. There's imperfection all around us. Right. Anything you'd like to say to us? Yeah, that we just go back to that again, that his grace is sufficient in the moment, and that it's okay to be where you're at, um, that the, the Lord can and does and will heal. But if he's not healing right now for whatever reason that's okay mm-hmm. and uh we can still serve him and trust him mm-hmm. and uh and know that he is god and know mm-hmm. that he cares about us yeah. so i really appreciate you sharing the story thanks god amen what a testimony it's just what a testimony beautiful just a beautiful human being, beautiful human being. As the worship team comes up, we're going to get prepare our hearts to take communion, go through a time of prayer. Um, but I want to encourage this in this way. It comes right out of what Scott said. Uh, you know, there's a time to press in, and God may be telling you to press in on something you've been ignoring. He says, okay, let's, let's work on this one now. But he never tells us to work on everything at the same time. And so we need to seek God's wisdom about where we press in, but also God's wisdom about where maybe he's saying, chill, be at peace with this one. I love you as you are. Yeah, it's not perfect and someday it won't be this way, but maybe this is something you have to accept. Stop beating yourself up over it. Maybe even stop wishing it was different. Stop striving to make it different. This is just what it is. This is what it is to be in the wilderness. And then to receive God's peace about that. I'd encourage all of us in our life to invite other people in to help us discern wisdom on these kind of things. Uh, Kingdom community. But also know this, and it comes out of Scott's testimony. If someone hasn't invited you in on their journey, you've got no business judging them for what they feel God has allowed them to live in. Uh, That's between them and God and whoever else they share life with. You may think everyone's supposed to be healed, but don't assume that this this is where that person's at. And so for every other thing, God may allow them something that he's telling you to press in on because we're all at different spaces. 
we just need to celebrate the fact that we're all going in the same direction, more or less. But even that's wilderness, because sometimes we bump into each other. But we're all along for the ride. And, uh, and so we just bless one another. Uh, we'll take up an offering here, and so I encourage you just to give that as an act of worship, as the Lord leads you, and then I'll come up and lead us in the words of uh, communion. So, Lord, we acknowledge that everything we have comes from you. We lose it all eventually. That's true. But as long as we have it, we ask for your wisdom on how to steward it. And we set before you the needs of this ministry. We acknowledge that it's yours, not ours. You'll take care of it. Move in the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. mention, I forgot to mention in the imperfect wilderness world. I forget a lot of things, as I mentioned. Uh, but uh, uh, those who might be interested in Scott's ministry, uh, you can find out more about that at scottabbott.org. scottabbott.org. I encourage you to uh, look into that and support him.
We here at Woodland Hills Church have open communion. That just means that if you're a believer in Jesus, uh, we encourage you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. This is the sign of the new covenant. It's a time when we remember what God has done for us in bringing us out of Egypt and what it cost him to do it. And we pledge ourselves to him. He pours himself out to us, and we pour ourselves out to him. And if you are a follower of Jesus, we encourage you to join with us in this. We'll have tables uh, along the side. We have tables uh, and some folks there. And so as we're worshiping the Lord, when you feel led, you and maybe those who uh, you came to church with, your family or friends, can go together and and take the bread and dip it in, in the juice. And remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. We'll also have a prayer team up here. And if at any point you would like to come forward for prayer, um, these folks are here for that reason. Or if you just want to come and kneel, if there's room, uh, you can pray that way as well. And in this whole process, I encourage you to focus your, your, your eyes on Jesus and to seek his wisdom about what to press in on and what to accept. It may be that this is going to be a breaking moment for people where you finally come to peace with something that you've been beating yourself up up over. And that's maybe what you want to come forward and receive prayer for. In the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread that they were going to eat, and he broke it before them. It was unleavened bread to symbolize the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He broke the bread before them and he said, this bread is my body, my body, which is going to be broken for you. And so when you take this bread and you eat it, do it in remembrance of me, the Lamb of God, whose blood causes the judgment to pass over us. And we live free before God. And then he took the cup. And after he gave thanks, he lifted it up and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. This is the new covenant we're entering into here. Because this cup represents my blood, which is going to be poured out for you. And so when you, when you take this cup, when you drink this juice, do it in remembrance of me. Now, I won't be doing it with you until the kingdom comes. So be looking forward. But look back with appreciation over the fact that I poured this out for you. That we might be together in the kingdom when it comes. Father, invade this place, this time, this moment with your lovely presence. Open our eyes to see Jesus in all of his beauty. Baptize your people in your wisdom and in your peace that passes understanding. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Still 
grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed appreciation to our Lord. Our Lord, he's, His love, His mercy, His grace, His kindness, His gentleness, His patience knows no limits. Amen, 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 amen. Glorious Savior. Glorious Savior. Uh, the, the worship team is going to worship a little bit more, lead in worship, and uh, I invite you to stay if you're still in that zone. Uh, or if you want to come forward for prayer, we'll, we'll, the prayer team will stay up here for a while. Um, uh, but I'll formally bring this to an end with a prayer. Just re- to remind you, though, I uh, encourage you to stop by and see Kevin uh, with that European ministry. Stop by and have a little dinner with the Cambodian missions uh, trip. Uh, get on the website and look at the Haitian ministries that are going on. Stay involved and keep us all covered in prayer. Father, we thank you for loving us as we are. It's your love that transforms us, but you give the love up front before the transformation. This world can sometimes be a very painful confusing lost debilitating crippling thing but God you're always with us help us to remember that you'll never leave us or forsake us help us to remember that and God give us your wisdom to press in on what we should press in on but also to accept what we need to accept and have a peace about it imperfections and all just as you have a peace with us imperfections and all we go out of here as your grateful committed people use us to further your kingdom in this world In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Feel free to stay and worship for a little while longer.
Oh, try.